You enjoying October so far? I'm happy to have leaves, and I'm happy there's not too much snow. We survived last week, amen? All right, uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Numbers 13. While you're finding Numbers 13, I just want to throw a uh, quick, this out there real quick. We are recruiting for uh, developing our youth ministry team. Uh, we're having some meetings, so it, it, I've got most of you, but if you're interested in helping be part of a core team, meet me after the service. We're going to uh, meet at the Badillo's house. I keep calling them Bo, but it's the Badillo's, my Portland crew, great people, so uh, we want to uh, just grab y'all. All right, Numbers chapter 13, and I'm in a series called Desert Storm. Now, I kicked off a series last week about the warfare that we inevitably face whenever we're in wilderness seasons. And make no mistake about it, we are living in the last days, and it's like there's a time of spiritual warfare. I was saying this to people. I, I, it feels like in this moment, there's an intensity and a difficult time in the battle that I haven't experienced in my life. And I'm hearing more and more people talk about that, the pressure of the moments that we're living in. Uh, you know, that's, that's what I'm going to be teaching through here in October, because uh, you know Halloween is on a Sunday morning, and I wanted to highlight uh, some warfare tactics that the devil might throw at you. But I've also got a word stirring in my spirit about life in the last days, and I'll be spending uh, a next series. I'm, I'm already excited about that, because we're really living in a remarkable hour in time. I think it's very important that God's people are aware of that. Now, Numbers 13, I want to start in verse number 30, and I want to read the text down to verse 33. And then we're going to pray. Numbers 13, verse 30. And by the way, this is about the 12 spies. Are you familiar with the 12 spies going to the promised land? Yeah. It, it, Caleb, it says, quieted the people before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And he gave the children of Israel a bad report, of the land which they'd spied out, saying, The land which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants and the descendants of Enoch who came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we thank you for the scriptures. And I pray, Lord, for eyes to see, ears to hear. Lord, I pray the spirit of wisdom and revelation would flow today. And I thank you for strengthening people who maybe are weary or loaded with burdens. And I pray, God, that you give us 20-20 insight in the scripture and in, to the way that you see us so that we can see us the way you see us today. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, I've shared this story before, but some of you may not have heard. But I was... When I was thinking about how to introduce what I want to talk about, I was thinking about the time when I almost got into a fisticus with uh, Pastor Daniel Turnquist, mild-mannered Pastor Daniel, because, you know, he was dating my sister, and when you are the older brother, you can say what you want to your sister. She's your sister, but that bothered Daniel because he was dating her, and so I said what I said, and then, you know what that rascal did? He shoved me, shoved me. So you know what I did? I shoved him back. <laughs> and then, after a series of little shoves, he had me pinned against the wall. And I cocked back. And just as I was about to cold clock him, I thought, I don't think I could take him. 
So we made up. You know, Daniel's a very nice man. Usually he's a nice man. So. <laughs> I perceived that it might not be the best course of action. I perceived that I might end up being on the losing end of that one. You ever been in that moment? <laughs> so your perception can save your life or it can get you into a world of hurt. You better make sure you perceive things properly. And I, that's what I want to highlight this morning. The Lord put this in my spirit. Here in this 33rd verse, it, it, these guys are talking about, you know, coming into the land, and they saw people who were as big as Shaquille O'Neal. And they said, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. What, what an amazing verse. And it just highlighted something to me that perhaps one of the greatest battles that you are ever going to face is the perception you have about yourself. I mean, when, you, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, this is fresh out of the pages of the Bible. And the children of Israel, they felt like they were inferior and as insignificant as little insects right there. I mean, they, they just, you know, looked at the situation and their perception was, we can't go in and take the land. And I think this is really one of those enormous battles that plays out in people's minds. And I, I think it's, you know, such a huge thing because... If you know your Bible, you know that this is exactly what Satan did when he was tempting Jesus. Remember that? Jesus, who ironically enough, was in the wilderness when Satan came to him with three questions. And every question he had began with the same phrase. Hey, if you are the son of God, prove it to me. Go ahead and do it. And his identity, the perception he had about himself was definitely challenged in that moment with the devil. I mean, he's, he's just trying to, you know, highlight. He wanted to find out where, where the medal was with Jesus. You know, how did he see himself? The, the thing about a perception, when you feel insignificant or you feel inferior or you're going through a battle like this, a perception in your mind creates an emotion. And emotions, as you know, are prone to run wild in your life. Now, last week, uh, in our series here about warfare, we were highlighting the Amalekites, and we were talking to you about the warfare that you face against your flesh. That's what the Amalekites represented, it is the fleshly, carnal nature that we're fighting. And this morning, what I want to highlight is the fight over your feelings. Because those feelings, I'm telling you, they will go all over the map. And that's what the children of Israel are faced with. They're in this moment where they just don't feel like they measured up. They don't feel like, you know, they're going to be able to go take the land. There's this, you know, pessimistic perception that they have about themselves. You know what pessimism is, right? When, when you kind of have a negative side view of things, you, you know, you think, I, I don't think I could do this. And, and that's where they found themselves at. Now, if you read forward, I want you to highlight, you know, chapter 14 here in verse 1, when when. Well, actually, you know what? Back up to verse 33. I want to highlight this. It says that they were like grasshoppers in their own sight, and so were we in our sight. Now, that is such an interesting clue. Pessimism. When you're so negative on yourself, it, you think that other people see you the way you see you. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a thought that people struggle with. They have these wrong assumptions. That, you know, and I've seen this play out with guys. Hey, I'm like, you know, in the middle of life here. I'm grinding. I'm 41. I like to talk to other people in similar seasons of life. And I'll often ask them, you know, how do you feel like you're doing? And I'm telling you, 
I talk to guys my age, and a lot of the time, they're telling me, I don't feel like I'm succeeding enough. I, I just don't feel like I, I'm getting far enough ahead. I have this struggle, and it just feels like, you know, I could be doing better. I could be doing more. And they're down upon themselves. And they think that if that's how they see themselves, that must be how other people see themselves, which is really not at all the case. Doing great. He's got a great like that. And they think, oh, I'm not getting it done. But I look at him like, man, this, this guy's doing great. He's got a great life. I'm proud of what he's doing. And it's just amazing to me how we can end up with that mindset. You know, you feel insecure, inferior about some battle you're in. And because of that, you just assume that's the way other people see you. This is what, this is a real battle. Now, when you have that kind of mentality, this is where we get into chapter 14. The children of Israel, the congregation, lifted up their voices, and they cried, and the people wept. These guys start crying here. They're, they're you know, upset. You know why they're crying? It's because they were afraid. I've got little children, and if we're watching something scary, they run off in the other room crying. And, you know, if they want to play a game, and I chase them around the house, and I'm dad, the big bad wolf man, they sometimes you know, cower down in fear, crying, Daddy, leave me alone, because they're afraid. That's what the children of Israel, they were afraid. They wept. In verse number two, it says that they complained against Moses and Aaron. You know why people complain? It's because they feel powerless about a situation. That's, that's why you complain about the job you don't like. <laughs> you know, you got a boss who's driving you nuts, but you don't really have a solution to fix that. And so, People just complain about their situation. If you don't feel like you've got an answer, you complain. I mean, think of all the things you feel like, man, this is hopeless. Like you go home at night and your wife's a terrible cook and you're complaining about the food. Not really. <laughs> There's all kinds of things. People feel like, I can't get through this. And, and, and they'll just complain and be frustrated. And, uh, and, and it's because they don't have any idea of like, how is this ever going to change? That's where Israel found themselves. Weeping, complaining. And in verse 4, they said, hey, let's get a new leader and let's go back to Egypt. I mean, these guys had such a bad perception, they wanted to go back to the land that they came from. I mean, they're looking back with, with defeat. You know why people look back in life? It's because they don't see a future. People will look back when they have nothing to look forward to. It's really an incredible thing. I do remember one time, when my dad died, and this just came to me, I remember this memory, my dad died, and I was talking to my mom, who at the time, I thought she was really old. She was actually like 51, which is just the, right around the corner for me. <laughs> but I, I remember she was down, and, and I said, you know what, the problem is you don't feel like you can see a future. And, and a lot of people get like that, especially as they progress in life. They, they're always looking back because in their minds, they can't take the land that's ahead of them. They have a poor, pessimistic perception of themselves or the situation. And I watch this with people. I'm, I'm talking about personal battles that you go with that will play with your emotions. Weeping, crying, looking back, pessimism. And you know the story here, if you read chapter 14. Uh, that wasn't the will of God. The will of God was for them to go take the promised land. And when these guys finally realized that they had rebelled against the word of the Lord, I mean, God had sentenced them to like 40 years hard labor walking around the wilderness. So they're in this spot, 
they have to be stuck there for all those years. When they realized they'd rebelled against God, the end of the chapter says that they presumed to go up to the mountaintop, and they went without the Ark of the Covenant, they went without God's presence, they went without Moses and Aaron, and they failed in battle, which also tells me something about wrong perceptions. It tells me that if, if your perceptions are not correct, uh, it's going to put you in presumptuous situations. You know what happens when people presume something? It is they have this idea that they know what's best and what to do. And, and so a lot of times you'll get in a situation where you just presume to act and it's an incorrect decision. You make something, uh, you make a foolish decision because you're, you're basing it from the wrong perspectives. And, and I'm telling you, this, this cycle plays out in people's lives all the time. So when you have an emotional struggle and you feel like, man, I feel insecure, I feel inferior, I don't know if I can handle this situation. You can see how people end up in all kinds of bad situations. But there was two men, Joshua and Caleb, verse 24 in this chapter, who had a different spirit about them. That's what the Bible says, a spirit of faith. And those two guys uh, and were the only two that went to the promised land. I mean, they decided, hey, you know what? We, we have a positive perspective of what God has said, and we're going to go take that land. Now, what I want to ask you then this morning is, how should you perceive yourself? Because you don't want to perceive yourself with you know, pessimism or with pride. That's what happened with Israel. They, they were pessimistic or they became arrogant. They, they didn't know what to do. You should perceive yourself through who God said you to be. And I want to highlight this for you with one verse this morning. And this verse I'm going to teach you from is my go-to verse. Whenever I'm in battle, whenever I'm faced with problems, whenever I feel, man, I just don't know if I can do this, I have a verse that I rely on. And it is probably the verse that you know, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. I'd like you to go there with me. And I'm going to just spend the morning in the verse highlighting several things. How should you perceive yourself? You should perceive yourself in what, the ways that God said about you. Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And he's going to quote from the book of Deuteronomy on all three occasions. I find that very interesting. That Jesus used scripture when the enemy came against him. That gives us a tremendous key when it comes to battling. And especially when it comes to the fight over your emotions. Because you know, emotions are fickle. They'll go up and down. This verse, say it with me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Man, I love this verse right here because it answers the question, how should you perceive yourself when you feel inferior and adequate? God has not given me, let's personalize it, a spirit of fear or timidity, but what's he given us? A spirit of power. We just stop right there. He's given to me a spirit of power. And what this tells me is I should perceive myself as capable of conquering situations. A spirit of power. That is the Greek word dunamis. And this is one of the distinctive words that Paul uses. It's an explosive, forceful boldness. Like he's not backing down from anything. This verse tells us that God has placed the power of his spirit on the inside of you. So when you're faced with pessimism, 
When you're faced with problems or accusations that are thrown your way, you are capable of solving problems. That's what this verse says. He's given to me a spirit of power, dunamis power. Now, I was, I was thinking about this. Uh, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I respond in my mind with Scripture. Every time I'm in a battle, I try to think of a verse that helps me. So I, the Lord gave me several verses that I'm just going to be highlighting for you. In personal battles, I have faith. You know, right now, I'm working on a, a, a home remodel, and I'm trying to put underground sprinklers, and I know it's late in the year, <laughs> but I, I have, you know, the map, and I'm slowly working my way there, and, and I realized I had made a mistake. I covered them up for a little bit when I needed to keep them exposed for a while. I woke up in the middle of the night <laughs> with that feeling of like, oh, no, what did I do? And I started feeling overwhelmed. So when you feel overwhelmed, let me give you a verse. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. When you feel overwhelmed, like you don't know what to do, like you're parenting children that are crazy. They're running all over the place, jumping on chairs, throwing up in the middle of the night. Come on, Elizabeth. And you feel overwhelmed. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My sister Amanda went through this. Because, you know, she has four children. Someone asked her, what's it like to have four children? She said, imagine you're drowning. Someone hands you a baby. <laughs> when, when you feel overwhelmed, you got to remind yourself, I can do all things done through Christ who strengthens What about goals you want to achieve? What about things you want to do in life? What about, Matt, I don't feel like I'm getting it done. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the spirit of power. Or what about when you feel guilty? Like, man, you, you, you feel like, I just got in a fight with my sweet wife. Don't look at me like you've never been there. <laughs> man, I, I, and, and you know, when you have an argument with a spouse or with a friend, it's real hard for you to then go into the presence of God. Because you're feeling like, oh, man, let me give you a verse when you feel guilty. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. I love this verse. It, it says... Uh, that, he, that God made him, speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin, to be made sin for me in the mystery of God, how he did that. It's amazing. So that we, I, Jordan, you, might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That verse just tells me I am righteous in the sight of God. So after I've made an apology to my wife, <laughs> after you made amends, said you're sorry, I can take this verse and I can boldly come into the presence of God. I don't have to worry if God's angry at me. I don't got a question in my mind because righteousness means that he, when he looks at me, he sees a blood-bought child. He's not looking at my sin. He's looking at his blood and that gives me access to come into his presence. This is the power of God working on your life. This is what a spirit of power is in you. It, it, when I feel guilty, I'm the righteousness of God. I can come into his presence. This happens with people. Or, you know, maybe the emotion that you're feeling is, you know, that you feel uh, insufficient. I don't feel like I'm enough. I, I feel like I'm lacking in, in some way. I don't feel like I have enough resources. I, I, here's a great verse. This is just verses the Lord highlighted to me, verses I often think of. And this one's Romans 8, verse 17. 
I love this verse. It tells us that we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs. I looked at other translations of the Bible to try to get away from, you know, see if there's a different phrase, but joint heirs is what is often used. I mean, we don't really talk like that in our world today. A joint heir is someone who shares an inheritance. It means that you have a share of the inheritance that Christ has given us. Now, the thing about that inheritance, if you want to get theological, the New Testament, the New Covenant, is actually a covenant between God and Jesus. It's his covenant he made with his son. But the Bible tells us that you and I are then joint heirs with Jesus. Like we become partakers, Peter says, of that covenant or partakers of the divine nature. We, we actually have legal access then into this covenant. We're joint heirs, which means that, you know, when, when you feel I'm lacking, I, I don't have enough, I, I, this is where this is applied. And all things have been given to us that pertain to life and godliness in Christ Jesus. And, you know, I remember one time I was dating this girl, and she knew I was going to be a preacher. I think I actually was in the ministry. It was like the first or second year we started the church. And she got mad. She said, you know what? I, this is never going to work. I'm just not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I, 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 and, and I had enough of it because of the complaining. And I said, you know what? You're right. You're not good enough. And she looked at me. Her eyes got big. I said, none of us are good enough. That's why we have Jesus. <laughs> I thank God for Sister Elizabeth, right? <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that you are lacking, but you have been given a covenant that makes you a joint heir with Jesus. So it doesn't matter how insufficient and inferior you feel. I, I'm a joint heir. I mean, it's really not anything based on what you do. I inherit everything that's given to me. I mean, we could talk all about the prosperity, the healing, the blessing, the forgiveness, the redemption of shame. Think about all that's in that covenant. And I have access to it because I'm a joint heir. Or, or what about, you know, man, this is one where you just feel defeated. Man, I don't think I can keep going. I, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm about to throw in the towel. And you just think, man, I, here's a great verse. Romans 8, verse 37. I love this verse. And it tells us in Romans 8, verse 37, that in all things, we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. More than a conqueror. Man, what does that mean? I heard the story of a boxer. He was in the prize fight, and he was slugging it out. And it went all the way to the 12th round, and in the 12th round, this boxer won the fight. Total knockout. And when he came home to his wife, beaten and bloody, he sat down at the table, and she put a stake over his eye. And he slid over the prize fight money and gave it to his wife. And she went to the bank with that money. That woman is more than a conqueror. Her husband did the fighting. She got the paycheck. <laughs> that is what happened to us in Jesus. He did all the fighting. He's already won the battle. And he's given us everything that we need. We have been, we're, we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus through him who loved us. So when I feel like, man, I don't know if I can keep going. I, I feel like I'm going to throw in the towel. I just have to remind myself, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. And if you take that attitude, if you just keep chipping away, chipping away, chipping away with a spirit of faith that says, I am more than a conqueror, I'm capable of overcoming, I'm telling you, the power of God works in your life.
How should you perceive yourself? As a person capable of conquering. Now think about what the verse says here. Through him who loved us. Isn't that interesting? Because that really comes to the second point I want to make here in 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given power, a spirit of fear, insecurity, and timidity. What's he given me? A spirit of power and a spirit of love. Oh, I love this. If you really want to know what is at the root of poor perceptions and pessimism, we could talk to you about the love of God. That, that, I'm telling you, this is probably the greatest thing that people struggle with, is wondering whether or not they really are loved and valued. And at the root of codependency and addiction and promiscuity and poor decision-making and insecurity is this idea of am I valuable and am I loved? And if you want to win some battles in life, I'll tell you how you win them is you're going to have to receive the love that God has for us. Think about what he said. He has given you. That's a past tense phrase. He's already done it. He said, I'm, 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 I'm loving you. I loved you. I have given you a spirit of love. How should you perceive yourself as a person loved by God? You should perceive yourself as capable of overcoming, and you should perceive yourself as a person who is deeply loved by God. But you know what the problem is with that statement? Is that we all say that God loves us, but you really often don't feel like God loves you. Isn't that funny? That's where a lot of people live at. They, they say it, they don't feel it. But you know what I found out the older I've gotten about life and been married all these years? I found out that love is not a feeling. <laughs> love is a decision. And so I'm just going to give you some verses that I go to when I start feeling like, I don't know if anybody cares or loves me. I do know one man who does. His name is Jesus. And I like 1 John 4, 19, which says that we love him because he first loved me. That's why I, I receive love. He loves me. I mean, think about John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. All that it takes to feel loved is simply to believe it. That's all God's asking. Do you believe that I love you? That's really what he's saying. He's given you a spirit of love. He says he loves you in his word. And all it takes is for you to believe that love and receive that love. It's a very simple thing. He's put that within you. You know, Romans 5, 8 says that while you were still sinners, that means that while you were screwing around, and, and while you were you know, making bad decisions and while you had bad hair days and bad breath and all that, God still loved you. While you're at your weakest moments, he loves you. And, and all he asks us to do is to believe that love. That's all he's asking of you. You don't have to feel it. You just, of yourself, leave it. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, if you want to win battles, especially in the perception you have of yourself or your emotions running wild, believe that he loves you. You know, when I'm faced with battles and you start feeling down, your mind can wander and it can get over into lustful thoughts or you're tempted to lie about yourself to make yourself feel good. And all it takes is the love of God to answer those questions. I don't have to exaggerate because God loves me.
I don't have to go look somewhere else for something to make me happy because God loves me. This is where battles are won or lost. How are you going to perceive it? God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but of power and love. So if you don't feel love, all you have to do is believe it. Now, here's the other challenge with walking in love. Not only do you often not feel love, you certainly don't feel like loving other people. You know, I got people that I love them, but I don't really like them. <laughs> Let me give you a verse for those moments. This is Romans 5 and verse number 5, which tells us that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Now, this verse tells you something interesting. It tells you that when you believe God's love, when you accept his forgiveness and Jesus comes into your life, he puts his nature within you so you learn how to love other people. And, and that means there's no excuses. You know, and I've, I've been to meetings where people get real spiritual and they want to pray and we're going to pray for an impartation of God's love to come into your life. And I'm like, the Bible says he's already given me a spirit of love. He's put it in me. What it really needs to be do is exercise. That's really the problem, it is in order for it to be active in your life, you're going to have to exercise that love. And, and that means that when you don't feel like loving people, when you don't feel like turning the other cheek, when, when you get angry or frustrated, that's a perfect opportunity for you to exercise love. And I have found that when you practice love, the love that God has given you, that, that love that he's put in you, when you exercise that and the more you do it, you know what happens? The easier it gets. And the more effective it is, and the more natural it flows. And, and that's the way the love of God works. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love. I mean, I'm loved by God. That's a powerful thing. And let me give you one more verse about love that I so appreciate. This is Ephesians 2.4. In Ephesians 2.4, it describes God's love as a great love. He's rich in mercy. I love that. And it says because of his great love. His great love. You know that Jeremiah the prophet called it an everlasting love. And this is a love that's unconditional. This is a love that you don't earn. This is a love that, that defies you know, your, your ability to comprehend it. It's a great love. And, and that means that you don't have to understand it. You just have to accept it and receive it. That's all you consider face in front of you. And if you know your love, you can get through all the pitfalls, the problems, the trials, the frustrations that are face in front of you. And this is how you can win some battles. I know I'm going to get through this battle because God loves me. He's on my side, and he will see me through it. Now, I was in a battle one time. I, I, I had a minister I respected, and he kind of had a negative thing to say. And it, it wasn't like directed at me, but I heard it. And, and I, because I respected his opinion, it wasn't like a direct attack. It was, it was kind of like, you know, something that just, when he said it, I was like, oh, it hurt and I spent the next three days just praying. I was fasting. I got on my face. I said, Lord, what, what am I supposed to do about this? And you know, I didn't hear anything from God. I was just praying. I was fasting. And finally, about the, the, the fourth day, three and a half days, God spoke to me. And he said, I love you. And I'm telling you, that one, for, I love you. That delivered me. I, I mean, it just... When you hear God say, I love you, he says that every time you open the Bible. I love you. And that love will get you through battles. That love is how you should see yourself. That love is what gives you strength. It gets you in moments to endure. It, it, it pulls you out of a funk. It, it helps move you forward. So I'm just trying to help you. You know, When you feel like a grasshopper, you don't feel love, you don't feel value, you don't feel special, he says, I love you. 
And that perception will see you through anything. Now, God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but what's he giving you? Spirit of power, spirit of love, and our last one right here. He has given you a sound mind. So how should you perceive yourself as a person who has a sound mind, a disciplined mind, a mind that has self-control? And I'm just telling you that right now in society, we are living in a time when mental health issues are just, I mean, they're so real. And it's because people today have very little ability to have self-control with what they're thinking. It's like people don't know what it means to say no to certain thoughts. And as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10, cast down lies, high things, imagination. Cast down the idea that you might see yourself as a grasshopper. And so as a result, we have a society today that's highly medicated. And it's because you got to win some battles in your mind. This is where it all plays out. You don't have to accept medication as a way of sustaining yourself through life. The Bible says if you want to win some battles, he's given you power to say no. He's put his love in you, and you have a sound mind. That's what he's given you, a sound mind. So I don't have to put up with lies and shenanigans from the devil. A sound mind. You know, as I was saying, when, when you have a thought or a perception of yourself or a situation, it seems to always evoke an emotion. I mean, listen, I'll just tell you how it happens to me sometimes. I'm scrolling through Facebook, and I see somebody who's killing it at church, and I think they're doing better than me. And all of a sudden, my emotions start running wild. I start feeling terrible about myself. Like you haven't had that happen to you. Maybe y'all blessed not to be on Facebook, but it might be other ways. Driving down the street and you see somebody you compare yourself to because they got a newer car. And emotions will run wild. You know, the worst, one of the worst battles I ever got into. I, it was back in 2013 when they were doing the non-discrimination ordinance here at the city of Billings. Anyone remember that? They wanted to open the bathroom up for people who identified as you know, men or women and, 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 and dressed differently. So me and a bunch of pastors, man, we, we went down there. We were there at midnight just saying we think that men should be in the men's bathroom. And, and we don't think that women or men should be in the women's bathroom. So you know, we're down there talking. We're emailing the city council. Do you remember this story? And one of the city councilwomen, I was, I was responding to her. And I meant to uh, forward what she wrote me, but instead I responded to her, in which I referred to the city council as the city councilmen's. <laughs> the city councilmen's. And she wrote back like, what? You know, and man, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I was really embarrassed. My mind ran wild. I, I, I mean, I spent, we were going to go fishing. I couldn't even enjoy fishing. I mean, I, I was sitting there. Now, by the way, we do have uh, a, a city councilman election coming up here. <laughs> and um, if you live in Billings, you probably got cards for it. And, and who to vote. if you don't know who to vote for, I've got you know, information for you. We're, we're going to have ballots next week because you know how America works? It doesn't work from the top down. It works from the bottom up. So I thank God that the president is not a king. 
we have local level representatives. And that's why you need to vote in city elections and on school board elections and in the state level because that's how America works. It's top up, or it's bottom up, not top down. That's, that's one of the brilliant ways that our government is formed. That's why elections are important, and that's why you should know which councilman you're voting for. <laughs> anyway, I, I let that battle eat me up for way too long, man. It, it was just, it was like consuming me. I finally had to get. So let me give you some verses about your mind. Sound mind. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things. I like set, fix it. It means direct your thinking. It means continue thinking. It means meditate constantly on what God is saying. You got you to like plant your mind right there. And I, like I'm not going to make it. It's an automatic response. So when you feel, you know, I, like I'm not going to make it. I don't have enough money. I'm not enough. The first thing that should come to your mind is the scripture. And I was noticing that this morning, man. I, I was late getting here. I had a rough night. I had things going through my mind. And, but in every time where I have a battle going on, I start thinking about a verse. What does God say about it? It's automatic response. I try to go right there in my mind. And you know what that does? It, it calms my emotions. Now, let, let, me, let me give you another verse here. This length. Isaiah 26.3. I love this verse. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon me because he trusts in me. Think about what that verse is telling you. That when you are constantly fixing your thoughts on what God says, that is where the peace of God starts working in a person's life. This is all about a sound mind. And that means that when you're in a crisis, you can stay calm. You know, I've been in some crises with Elizabeth, man. I'm, you know, we had three kids now, so kids, you know, they, sometimes they choke on their food and they get apples stuck in their throats. And in a moment like that, you start freaking out. You could get scared, but I always stay calm in those moments. You know why? Because I have a sound mind. And I can come over and calmly give that child a little Heimlich maneuver, squish them, do whatever you got to do, get that apple out. Never had a problem. I remember, as I was telling you, this summer we got stuck with the camper and I could have freaked out. Some, but you know what? I stayed calm. Because I have a sound mind. So when storms come, when, when emotions run wild, when you feel, I don't know what to do, and you're panicking and you start freaking out, no, I have a sound mind. I can stay in perfect peace. My mind is right there. I, you got to keep it. You got to fix it. You got to set it. The automatic response should be, what does the Bible say about it? One more verse, Philippians 4, verse 7. I love this verse. Uh, it says, that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep and guard. Think about that. Keep and guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. <laughs> if you have the peace of God operating, it will protect you. I, I had another moment where I woke up in the middle of the night recently. I, I, I had to do a couple funerals the last couple Saturdays, and last Saturday I was doing a funeral. It was my neighbor's dad, 61, passed away early of COVID. Very sad. He was a believer. So we talked about heaven at the funeral. But the problem was, that the daughter who I was helping with, I hadn't met her before, and I called her the wrong name the whole time during the funeral. <laughs> and I'm lying awake there at night. It hit me. I, I started feeling so much condemnation, guilt, frustration. And, and you know what I had to do? I had to remind myself that I had done my best and that God's given me a sound mind. And it passes understanding. It keeps me. It protects me. And that got me through that. 
And I'm sure you can relate with that. We all have those moments. So, you know, you're, you're always faced with those moments where you can be pessimistic, how in your thoughts, or you sh- but you should see yourself a certain way. But I guess the real question is, how actually do you see yourself? How do you really perceive yourself? I want to ask you that question this morning. How do you perceive yourself? I mean, there's one thing to say, this is how you should do. But a lot of times, you know, we view ourselves as grasshoppers, don't we? You feel like a grasshopper in the land of giants. And I'm telling you, that's a battle everybody faces. I don't feel good enough. I don't feel adequate. I feel inferior. And everyone faces that. That's what the children of Israel had to face. And yet God said, I've given you a spirit of power. You can get through this. Anyone relate with that? Is anyone in a moment right now where you feel like, I don't, I don't think I can do this? And you need the power of God on your behalf. Anyone facing a battle like that? Because I'm telling you, he'll get you through it. Or you feel like, I, I'm not valuable, I'm not loved, and that's led to bad decision making. And, and I'm telling you, you got to receive the love of God. You know how, you know how that, it's so easy? It's so easy. You just have to believe it. You just have to open your heart up and say, Lord, I receive your love, and I thank you for it. Why don't you do it right now just with me? Just say, Lord, I receive your love. You've given me the love of God. You've put it within me. It's in my heart. It's here right now. I receive it. Now, power, love, and a sound mind, a disciplined mind. Maybe the problem that you're in right now is your mind is running wild, and you don't have the ability to control it. You feel like, man, I, I don't know what to do. I'm telling you, power, love, and a sound mind. Get a scripture. Put your mind on there. Meditate on it over and over and over and over. It's like Joshua said, the book of the law will not depart from my mouth, but I'll meditate on it day and night. Day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. And, and that's what I do. That's how I win battles. I just think about it in my mind. I, I get that scripture verse. I confess it with my mouth. I dwell on it. I'm walking around Walmart. And I just think about promises God gave me. I think about the scriptures. And it gives me peace in situations. Man, I feel the peace of God right here, right now. The peace of the Lord. How many of you could use more peace in your life in these days? Peace. Hey, you know what I feel like? I feel like in these last days, we've got all kinds of great opportunities for us. There's not a time to be afraid. The world looks like it's going crazy. I'm telling you, we've got all kinds of opportunities to people who walk in power and the love of God and have sound minds. Let's pray that, Father. I just thank you for a group of people growing, growing, growing in their faith, growing in the things of God. Lord, I thank you that you're working their lives. You're doing great, great things. Father, I thank you right now. You're taking them from one level to another level. I thank you for godly thoughts. I thank you, Lord, for a, even a corrective rebuke from your word that helps. You know, I feel like there's people out there who you, you have the wrong perception about something. You, you bought into lies. And one of the ways that God will correct you it is when he gives you a verse that contradicts what you're thinking. And that's his mercy and grace. That, I'm telling you, he does that to me all the time. And I'm grateful for it. And I'll tell you what's more. If you don't accept that and you don't change your thing, you'll have a consequence. So that's a warning for somebody. You got, you got some wrong thoughts going on somewhere. And even right now, you feel convicted about it. And God's just saying, listen, I'll show you the truth of Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Thank you for your faith. Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, I feel like there's some people in the room that are about to win some battles and, and go to level to level. 
You know, I want to just say one quick story here. And uh, I heard this. It was the story of a man uh, in the papers. He was uh, swimming and began to drown. So he's drowning, crying for help. At a, at a, it was in a different country uh, in Europe by a, by a bridge. A guy on a bike, a passerby, heard his cries, jumped off the bridge and swam over and saved him, pulled him out of the water. And he was so grateful for that. I mean, the man saved his life. And sadly, a few years later, that same man who was drowning ended up falling to the wrong group of people, and he ended up in an armed robbery. And in the country he's in, the sentence for armed robbery is, is murder, or is, is uh, the death sentence. And he was worried, I'm going to get sentenced to death. And he's sitting in the courtroom, and he suddenly realized that the judge who was hearing the case was the same guy that jumped in the water and saved him. And he perceived, hey, I'm going to be all right. Like, like God, like I'm, I'm going to get through this. And he began to feel relief. And finally, a few days later, when the sentence came out to his utter amazement, that judge that saved him sentenced him to death. And you know, th- that is the true thing. A lot of people have the wrong perception about God. I mean, they think that he's loving and, and, and he is loving. And they think that, you know, he's, he's, he's full of grace and he is full of grace. But the Bible says there's a day in which God has appointed judge and, and he's going to judge the world in righteousness. Not only is he loving and gracious, he's also a judge. And you better make sure you understand that God is a holy God and you want to be right with him before you step into eternity. You have to have the right perception of who he is. Make sure every eye closed in the right light. That, that, it's funny how your perception can get so warped. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you don't know the Lord or if maybe your perception of him is warped, you haven't been walking with him, you, you've been caught up in you know, sin or you're not living right with God, I just want to give you the opportunity to repent. Get right with the Lord. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you enough to correct and rebuke you. And if that's you, I'd just like you to put a hand up and I want to pray with you. Why don't you stand up with me this morning? Father, we just thank you for the word of the Lord. I I thank you for battles that are being won and for victories coming to people in the name of Jesus. Victories and battles in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you for coming out to Bethany Church. We love you very much. And it's great to have you out with us. I want to encourage you to invite someone out. If you want to know more about our church, man, we're having a uh, Next Steps class November the 7th. And that'd be a great opportunity to get connected and plugged in. And uh, we want you know we love you. If you need prayer, these altars are open. We've got a team of people here praying. And uh, I, I just really feel like God can meet your needs. And so I want to invite them to come down. And Hannah, if I could catch you. And then uh, Kristen Thompson, if you wouldn't mind. I, I want to uh, just add something for you. So, hey, I love you all very much. If you need prayer, we're here for you. God bless you.